question. What if the order of life was totally different? I mean, like the actual timeline reversed. Like, here's what I mean. As a believer in Jesus, I believe that I'm headed to heaven to be with him, right? And to be with a lot of other people. There's no doubt that this will be the place that you and I call home, right? With a capital H. But the order of life is we're here on earth first, and then we're there in heaven after death on that side of eternity. But what if somehow, and maybe just for the sake of our conversation, it was reversed, like we had millennia in heaven and then came to live this short life here on earth? Well, you know, like what what would be different? Would we live different? Would we think different? And I'm talking about while we're here on earth, what would be different for you? Like, do you think it would change who you were right now? I do. And here's the thing. I don't think that this is like out of our reach. I believe that that's the type of life Jesus has invited us into. And I kind of called it in chapter 12, the, the pilgrim path, the life of a pilgrim, the ancient path, the path of Jesus, a life that has, you know, and sends out ripples. Those thoughts and more on today's episode of the Thoughts of a Dying Worship Leader podcast. As I set out to write my book, Thoughts of Dying Worship Leader, I didn't exactly know where I was going, okay? So that's my confession. I knew I had something to say and something to write about, but God was still unpacking it for me. But once I wrote chapter 12, The Pilgrim Path, which I'm not sure I wrote like in order of chapters. I'm not, I don't really remember when I wrote it, but I knew that the words from those pages were the words that were echoing in me, like they were the vibration of who I am. And maybe you could think of it as like the pulse of the book. I felt like it hit something in me and I believe it's the message I definitely wanted to bring to all worship leaders, but for sure Christians in general, that there's more to life with Christ and that the more can only be seen, experienced, and lived in as we follow God into specifically the unknown. You know, from what I can see from Scripture, Jesus didn't call anyone into normality because Jesus wasn't normal, right? Jesus is extraordinary. But let's talk about that. Like, why? What makes Jesus extraordinary? And you're not allowed to use any answers that are like devotional, right? He's loving. He's merciful. He's kind. All of those things are true. But that's, I don't, that's not what makes Jesus extraordinary at like its foundation. The reasons why Jesus is extraordinary are the same reasons why life with Jesus should be extraordinary as well. To me, what makes Jesus extraordinary is that he is God, right? I've talked about this before. He's God, right? I mean, is this somehow the most overlooked and underappreciated aspect of who Jesus is? When you read the words that he said, or forget that, forget that. 
even just think about the fact that Jesus was here, that should be enough to blow your mind. That the God of the universe came to earth and talked with people. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's wild. Everything he says, everything he said and did was from God. He even says, like, I don't, I don't do anything unless the Father leads me to do it. The Creator. God was here on earth. I mean, that's a major woe. I mean, that's crazy. In John 14, Jesus talks about this place that he's going to to prepare for us. That's amazing. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. Though it, I mean, everything hinges upon the word go, right? He's leaving. He's able. Jesus is able to travel between worlds, this one and a new one. And I know even as I say that, it's like, okay, you're kind of slipping into like some science fiction. Jesus can travel between worlds. Well, yeah, he can. And then that was happening long before science fiction. Even just the words science fiction is just taking what we know, right, scientifically and expanding upon it in ways that we don't know. That's just all that it is. We're building upon things we know into realms that we don't know. While Jesus is here and proves that he can travel between worlds. This, isn't, this shouldn't blow our minds, especially as believers. He literally does and literally says we will. That's amazing. But okay. Like, what do we do with that? You know, like in our actual life. Like, okay, Jordan, you weirdo. Like, we get it. But today is Friday. And um, I have this meeting at 2 p.m. about numbers <laughs> or, or whatever your thing is like that you're doing in your life that maybe is monotonous. You know, where do we intersect with the reality that the God of the universe came to his creation? We can read his words and then what, like we can go to Starbucks? Do you know when I think about this the most is like when I'm driving and I realize that for the last five minutes, I have no actual memory of what happened. Have you ever experienced that? You get to your driveway, you have no idea how you got there. Sometimes I'm like, wow, I'm literally zoning out in my one life that I have. <laughs> Somebody posted like one of those terrible, terrible things where it was like, you will probably only live to 75 years. And if you sleep eight hours a day every day, then you sleep for 20 years, which means you only have 55 years. I was like, thank you. I don't need that right. But it's true. And I find myself zoning out on the one life that I have. So what do we do like to, to not miss this? I, I for sure don't have all the answers, but what I wrote about in this chapter, and I think, I think it's less about what it leads us to do and more about what Jesus was trying to get at and to get us to understand about who we are. So less about what we do, more about who we are. Everything we do, I believe, comes from who we are. Like the choices that you and I have made is based upon who we are and who we're trying to be. Like, just read the New Testament. It definitely has things in there talking about what we should do and what we shouldn't do. 
But the message speaks about who we are. Jesus is trying over and over to reveal himself and what that means as far as our identity. Like, you know, you're, you're in this world, but you're not of it. You could take a lot of time to think about just those words alone. In Christ's prayer that he would say, Lord, that they would be in this world, but they wouldn't be of it. It reminds me of, of the question that I asked at the beginning of the episode, the, the whole question about whether or not life would be different if we had started in eternity and ended up here. I think it would be totally different. I think we would have a lot less allegiances to earthly kingdoms and kings, right? I mean, surely. You should read the New Testament one of these times. I would say, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and read it and somehow in your mind put two things at the top of your, like the paper in your mind. One, these people are ruled by Roman oppression. Two, Jesus is not from earth. And everything he says and doesn't say matters at that point. They try to talk to him all the time about earthly kings and who we should pay taxes to and da-da-da-da-da. And his answers are always just... To me, his answers are always... Listen, my concern is not these earthly temporal things. Not to say they don't matter. Clearly they matter because Jesus spends his time ministering to people and healing people to those that these earthly, you know, um, situations have affected and he heals them and brings compassion. He, he cares, but it's a different type of angle. So I think it would be totally different if we started in eternity and came to earth. I think we'd think differently about powers that be. I think we would care about, I think we would begin to care a little bit less about temporal things and way more on things that we know have eternal ramifications because we've seen them. I believe we probably would have a better perspective on the value of people in the planet. Tons of things would be different. You can, I, we couldn't possibly imagine. Think about how much less you would fear. You know, I, I just posted on my website um, my experience with COVID-19 and my family. All my family was tested positive for COVID-19, except my oldest, June, but she was very sick. So either... She's just awesome, or maybe the test didn't, was a false negative, but, um, you know, it was scary. Uh, it started off just kind of like a flu, and my whole family, my kids and my wife, they were sick for probably two or three days, and that was it, and I was sick for two and a half weeks, and once it got to the breathing Part, part of life, like being hard to breathe, then I was nervous, you know, I was scared. And I think uh, that's okay. You know, I'm glad to be over it, praise the Lord. But I wondered about this and thinking about it, just if I had come from where Jesus came from first and then found myself here, how much less I would be afraid because I had seen and known the eternal. So, I believe that Jesus is like the 
the crack in the glass between eternity and here in the temporal. He's a glimpse of the other side, and he's an invitation to it. Not just in death, but in life. So every word he says is an invitation because he's not just from here. The, the question for us is, have we taken him up on the life he offers? Now, commercial, I was reading for our book club, we um, read C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, and we're going to be, our club is meeting here, in a, I think in a week, because I was sick, I had to postpone. Um, so if you want to join that, read Mere Christianity in the next five days, and you can email me, and I'll let you in, it'd be awesome. But in there, he says, you know, that some people have a problem with the fact that Jesus was God and was man at the same time. Like, it's almost not fair. And uh, his response was so awesome. He was saying, you know, the, the idea that Jesus really didn't go through it because he was also God doesn't make sense. And C.S. Lewis said that the thing that is bothering that person the most is also the the crux to why it's awesome. And he, he, um, I'm going to kind of paraphrase and probably just butcher this, but he said, you know, when you're drowning, you don't want someone else who's drowning, uh, to save you. You can't have someone come all the way in the water into a dangerous situation to save you. That won't work. He said, what you need is someone who has one foot on land and one foot in the water to be able to reach down and save you. And that's what Christ is. He's fully immersed in our world, but he's also fully immersed in the eternal, which I just thought was awesome. Mere Christianity. You got to read that. So the idea for me is that Jesus invites us into this pilgrim life, the pilgrim path. And, and I'm not so sure in today's Christianity that we encourage that, that we say, no, Jesus is calling you out and, and into the world, but not of it. Like he has a going aspect to him. And because even he models that, no, I'm going to be doing this here. And then I'm going to do this, this thing that I got to do. And then I need you to do what you got to do. And then he lays that out for us in scripture. The pilgrim path is all about engaging. The pilgrim path to me, chapter 12, why I wrote it, is all about engaging engaging in the things of life without fear and knowing that this world is not our home. Have you ever met someone who has that like journeyman vibe to them? They're like a nomad. They're maybe they're like well-traveled. They look different, talk different. I have two stories. These are not suggestions of how to live your life. <laughs> okay. But these are just my stories. The first one, I think I was an intern. So I'm maybe 20. 1920, and I'm on a retreat with the youth group, and I'm like an adult leader, so that's already dangerous. And we're like uh, carpooling people from, I don't know, wherever we were staying to wherever we were eating. And I, I drop off the first group because I'm driving like this huge suburban, and um, I drop them off. And then on the, let's see, which is the order? Yeah, on the way back from dropping them off, I see a hitchhiker and I pick him up <laughs> by myself. This is so stupid now that I'm saying it out loud. He smelled so bad. Um, 
He obviously hadn't showered in a long time. But I have to say, he looked awesome. Okay, his clothes were like raggedy, but kind of like that cool, like, I don't know, more like Mad Max vibe, like, and not so much the newer one, but like the Mel Gibson Road Warrior leather feel. It looked like that. There was nothing really awesome. I tried to like talk to him about the Lord, but he was just mad that I was driving a Suburban. He was like, he to him... Uh, me driving a suburban was the statement that I hated the planet Earth. <laughs> you know, so uh, we didn't get very far. And then the best part was like I pull up to the place that we're about to be, and like all the youth groups there, my youth pastors slash boss are there, and like this hitch- hitchhiker pulls out of the car. Oh man, they were like, "Tell me you didn't just pick up a hitchhiker." I was like, "No, <laughs> no." Anyway, second story of a person who was kind of like this was, this is a cool one. I was in college. Uh, one of my best friends there, his name was Chad. Chad was a wild man. We, Chad would, we would like go camping in the hills of Santa Cruz all the time. Just walk out. We, I think we pretended once we were homeless and we just slept on the streets. Scotts Valley police picked us up, took us back to Bethany. <laughs> Stupid. But this guy, Chad, he was awesome. He had like these dreads. We would surf all the time, tall, hilarious, and love the Lord. And at the time, single, all right? So in college, I had already been with Vanessa since I was like 16. We went to the same college. We've been together for years, but Chad's single. So we're going out one night, and it's me. I think we're just going to get some food at probably, uh, oh, I forget the Mexican restaurant, but it was super good. Um great. That's going to ruin this whole podcast. I'm going to think of nothing else. But anyway, we are going and I see this girl or we stopped to get ice cream on the way back and there's this girl and I think she has a sign that says she needs a ride. Now this girl is beautiful, but not like supermodel version of a woman. She's like dressed like a hitchhiker or or just like a, a nomad. She has like kind of like, she's got long white dreads. She has um, like a regular shirt and jeans on, but then she has kind of like blankets wrapped around her in such a way and like this belt and these boots. She looked rad. And I immediately saw her. and I was like, that is going to be Chad's wife. No matter what happens tonight, we fix this singleness problem for my buddy Chad. So Vanessa, I think Vanessa, my wife, she was in cahoots with me about this. We were like, pick her up, you know, like uh, dumb and dumber. And, uh, so we pick her up and she gets in the back seat, sitting in the back next to Chad. Awesome. And she, it turns out she's from, she hitchhiked alone from Quebec. It was crazy. So we're like, okay, well, where are you going? She's like, oh, I'm just kind of staying in this community here. And I only had, I was just trying to get her to fall in love with my best friend and but she, you know, she actually needed to get somewhere. So that dawned on us like, well, where are you going? And she was like, well, you just pull up just, I'm, I, I'm right off highway 17, which is like this highway going into Scotts Valley and Santa Cruz. So no joke. We're on the freeway, the freeway. And she's like right here and there's no exit. So we just pull, we just veer off onto the side of the freeway. She says, thank you. Gets out and just walks into the forest. (laughs) There's nothing out there. And, but I guess she said there's this big abandoned bus 
and community that lives off the land out there. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Totally true story. And uh, they never got married. Super disappointing. But I remember those people because of the way, I don't know, there was just something intriguing about them. Something about their life made me envious. Now, looking back, listen, uh, that's, I know that there's like a dark side to that life and I would not do it. But I think the portion of it that was attractive to me was, you know, like the adventure that they were on, the discoveries that they were having. And, and as I've gotten older and I've thought about it, I've thought to myself, why would the Christian life not be the most exciting and amazing lifestyle that you could possibly be a part of? If what we believe is true about who Jesus is and the things that he says, our lives should be, I was going to say incredible, but maybe our lives should be following the most incredible person of all time, Christ, and therefore that would naturally lead to some incredible moments. Not an absence of pain, uh, not an absence of trials, Christ himself had those, but something that is extraordinary. You know, I, I want to be brave enough to do life with Jesus, knowing my home is in heaven and my Father is God. And Jesus literally knew eternity before he came to earth. Think about that. Stepped out of it into this and walked with people. And we settle, I think, sometimes in my life, I settle for a version of, of life that is just so boring. Like, we need... To, to interact with people who aren't like us. We, our, our, our society, our country for sure is exploding with that, with race relations and, and who do we even care to know and if it's not just people like us. You know, there, there is an adventure, there is even a, a, a dangerousness to being a Christian and, and, I, and I believe that Christ has invited us onto the pilgrim path. Instead, you know, sometimes we put him in one of those confessional boxes where we can go drop off our garbage, garbage and then we leave. That's how we treat our, our life with Christ, and surely that's not the way. But I have this feeling in my bones that there's like so much more to this than we've been willing to allow, and maybe just some questions to ask would be, Jesus, is there something specific you're calling me to? Jesus, is there a place you want me to go? Is there a person you want me to begin to engage with? Jesus, what would you like me to do with my life? Our world is obsessed with this, this idea of there being more out there and that there being something inside of you that's undiscovered. Have you noticed? Every movie you've ever seen recently, Avengers, Star Wars, Batman v Superman, the greatest superhero movie of all time, they're all addressing adventure and other worlds, right? Even like the Star Wars story, all the Ray discovering that she's destined for something great. Hello, I've heard this before in the Bible. But in the words of Han Solo, I would say it's real, all of it. <laughs> and then to add, I would say it's even bigger than those fictional stories. It's real. The things Christ said, who Christ was, it's real and it matters today. And Jesus wants to lead us into a life that would blow our minds. And why wouldn't that be the case? Why wouldn't that be the case if you're a Christian? 
Why would Jesus come all the way here and not do something great in your life? Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. We use this passage in a very comforting way, and I think it, it is. Let me read it. It says, this is Jesus speaking, Come to me, all, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, that's so comforting to know. But you know how, what I also hear in that is, hello, I'm Jesus, I come in peace. Just like we do in the movies, like where they're from another world. I mean, he has a perspective, an eternal perspective, a divine power. And he comes and he says, you can come to me. I'm good. I'm going to help you. And I'm going to show you some things. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's incredible. All right, well, I wanted to read just to close up here, just from chapter 12 of the book, starting on page 219. It's actually starting with a passage of scripture. 1 Peter 2, 11 through 12 says, Dear friends, you are outsiders and those who wander in this world. So I'm asking you not to give in to your sinful desires. They fight against your soul. People who don't believe might say you are doing wrong, but lead good lives among them. Then they will see your good deeds, and they will give glory to God on the day he comes to judge. It's a great passage. Here's what um, I wrote. It says, there it is, outsiders. Yes, I love it. Outsiders have such an advantage. They're from another place, even if they don't know where that is. They know that something about where they are and how things are don't match what's in their hearts. I'm a pilgrim on the journey home, a journey to my real home. Even when people don't understand, like Peter says, all I need to do is show them a life that models Jesus and the glory will go to the right place. I've been invited, awakened, and beckoned by the Father to follow him on journey home. I was never meant to be the accomplished musician who's celebrated among the thousands. I am much more the guy outside the coffee shop playing my acoustic and telling stories of adventure. Isn't that the better story? Isn't that the pilgrim story? I think it's the one we're meant to tell, meant to experience, meant to live in fully, especially as worship leaders. I get the picture of a journeyman or Aragorn from Lord of the Rings, the strider. I want to get to the end of my life with patches all over my jacket from the places I've been. I want a story. I want a scar or two. two. Not that I desire pain, but God has already told me it's coming. So I want the courage to stand with him through it and be able to tell people about it. I want a list of failures, and I know they've shaped me far more than my successes. I see now that Jesus wasn't telling us how he wanted things to be here. He was instructing us on how things are in the kingdom and the home I was meant for. When I get on any stage, whether big or small, to lead people into singing of him, I I want to do it as a pilgrim, as a citizen of the kingdom, and as a man on the move. While my clothes may fit the context for the setting I serve, I hope to have spiritual clothes that reflect the crazy journey I've been on and I'm still pursuing. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. In our world today, I, I hope that you can find a place in Christ to realize that there's, there's so much more available to your life. And I think God has great plans for you. If you would step in and we would step in and realize this isn't our home. This is not where we're going to end up. There's more to it. But while we are here, We get to live as ambassadors. We get to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, our life, I believe, can have the same impact as the disciples' lives or even the life of Christ as we follow Him. And we're not in this world, or we're in this world, but we're not of it. We're of Him.
aware of him. Well, thanks so much for listening. There's only one more episode after this, and uh, I'll be sad to stop. And uh, I'm excited to um, start the next podcast, which is called Next Explorers. And uh, got a few episodes ready to go for that. Uh, go over to jordanbn.com. You can check it out. And uh, we've got book clubs going every month. And I just love being in community with you guys and learning from you. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure. So as we lead and grow together, let's stand shoulder to shoulder on the front lines together. God's up to something. Let's not miss it. I'll see you there.